a.k.a. Brother Soap, welcoming you to the seventh edition of the British Soap Podcast. So I started the last show by saying the Hollyoaks Podcast. Old habits die hard, but this is the British Soap Podcast. And like Bell's haunted ass off a roof. <laughs> Let's jump this thing off with my homegirl, Carista. How you doing, baby boo? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing okay. <laughs> nice to be back, nice to be back. Can't wait to get this started. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Alrighty, so baby girl, on Hollyoaks, they apparently dressed Steve's stepdaddy just like mm. Brenton Brady. <laughs> what do you think that means about the depth of Stendhal's <laughs> influence on the show? <laughs> I don't even know if it was supposed to have mean- any meaning because uh, that's... What suppose what could have been a powerful scene? I mean, I know people speculated, like you know, because any man with um, a mustache and a leather jacket is obviously, obviously Brendan. With <laughs> 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 some symbolism of Brendan, so I don't get, okay. you know. So, however, the, those scenes that are supposed to be so powerful with T and his whole self-righteous attitude about everything when he when he himself is just an a-hole as well. I mean, mm. I, like, you know, I, I'm sorry, but, you know, the bad, evil Terry, and in the next episode, you're talking about the lover of your life, the similar abuser. You can't pick and choose which abuser is evil and unredeemable. <laughs> and while, while he's standing there next to the girl, he, um, who here, he cut off and, tr- and burned, so please give me a break, right? <laughs> okay. The thing that killed me about that whole thing, he had the nerve to open up his mouth to to say to Amy, how could you have my kids around him? You know what he did to me. And I just thought, now, if I wrote that goddamn script, I would have had Amy say, uh-huh, the same thing Brendan did to you. And uh, didn't you move him in with our kids behind father? Exactly. Let alone oh. him himself. Okay. <laughs> he was not that. He was not the best uh, house husband to her, or you know, well, boyfriend, house boyfriend to her back in the day either. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so he has no reason, or he has no place to judge anything. <laughs> and that's exactly why he does judge. And he's so self-righteous. And, oh, I mean, I'm like, and you know, you're supposed to be listening to this heartbreaking story about the moment when he was a child and he saw his mother was beaten. And I'm like thinking, <laughs> why, when, when your boyfriend ball up at your child, you teach him how to bribe her. So give me a break. Okay? Hello. <laughs> you know, how you, I mean, I know people will like it because yeah, the moment I think, but as a long time viewer and you don't buy into every little sad moment of the show it's that stupid yes. <laughs> you can't have these you can't deal with abuse and just these little 
like these little moments where it's bad one time but then it's not so bad and this person is evil when they do it and this person is not that evil and it is i mean i know things can be complicated and you know nothing is ever straightforward but it's it's just hypocritical like you know every time rather than see come up and apologize for his behavior oh yeah let's remind everybody that he is always the victim I don't even care that he's always the victim anymore because I have lost all brain cells when it comes to that boy. He should just hurry up and they should get married and then they should leave. But they're not going to. Well, we got to switch it up and give love to my other homie, Lindsay. What's up, Lindsay? All right, Lindsay. So now, after Coronation Street's epic storyline about Norris's parcel, where's the parcel, right? (laughs) Over the next couple of weeks, the show brought on none other than the chrysanthemum herself. Connie Carter, <laughs> a.k.a. the mother of dearly departed Doug Light Blue Puddles of Love Eyes Carter, who was on the hunt for her love seat. Which of those two phenomenal storylines did you enjoy the most, boo? <laughs> to be honest, I liked her leg into Kevin's so hard after Owen told her everything that was going on. I thought just because I I liked or well I didn't really like either of them. I thought they were both really ridiculous filler stories, much like you know uh, Maria poking her eye with a mascara brush. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean like if I had to pick one that I liked better. I kind of liked the Frankenfurter couch better because she laid it into Kevin so hard after Owen told her everything. It was just like, Owen, you are a lifesaver that made the story end quickly. <laughs> we didn't have a month of, oh my god, my parcel, I missed my parcel. It was three days. Of- It was three days of Kevin trying to hit on this American girl and lying to her about the Frankenfurter couch. Who would sit on that couch? (laughs) That is the best leather ever and this and that and the other thing. And then when, when Owen told her and everything was out in the open and they were about ready to make out on the couch... pretty quick and now they have to sit in lawn chairs so <laughs> all is well and good with the world and that stupid filler storyline can just go away i think the next filler storyline is that roy is going to misplace his butter knife <laughs> that, Haley, that Haley gave him before she died one of them kids that threw eggs at his shop must have snuck in and stolen. So him and Todd are going to go try to hunt down the kid that stole his butter knife. <laughs> when I saw 
uh, Sean and uh, Billy get together uh, on the last episode of Coronation Street that I watched. And I thought, you know, Coronation Street really just needs to be the romantic soap. It just needs to focus on love stories. Because, see, if Coronation focused on those stories and brought Morris back to be Norris's love story, you know, and then after you do the romance, throw in a little thing to fuck, fuck it up every now and then, that would be a good storyline. But they do. The, we was on the roof a couple of weeks ago. The ladder was off the roof. Okay. Neil was on the roof going to just chill up there until Lloyd got a taxi for him so he could just leave the show quietly. Like, coordination, it's, uh, I don't know why it's choosing to be so boring, but it really is. And if it would just focus on what it's good at and cut the stupid bullshit, like the pairings that don't work, we don't need that homeless half of with uh, Sophie or whatever. Is that a name? Matt, Maddie <laughs> and Sophie. Those, those two need to be blown up. We don't need Sally with Tim. Those two don't work. We need to have Anna come up in there and blow that shit up. You know, Gary and Aaliyah ain't working. Blow that shit. Just focus on the good and let everybody else be background characters. Maybe they need to be like Bold and the Beautiful for a minute where it's all about a couple love stories and all the background characters just talk about the the main love stories. That probably needs to be Coronation Street right now because all that other extra bullshit they try to do is just not working. It's horrible. We just watched two weeks worth of a fucking couch story. A story about a couch. Do you hear me? Has anyone ever said that sentence in life? I'm watching a soap opera about a couch. <laughs> huh? <laughs> it, it was not worth the. It was not worth the four hours I put into my soap watching every week just to hear people talk fight over a damn couch. Oh girl, it was ridiculous, completely ridiculous. Oh my goodness! All right, well, let me do a quick programming notes, like Rachel Maddow says, programming notes. So uh, those of you listening to this today will probably be listening to it somewhere around Friday, December the 18th, when I plan to post it at 18th or 19th, whatever it is. <laughs> so uh, on today, which is Sunday, and I can't see the rest of the date, December the 14th. The 14th. Oh, we are actually recording three shows for y'all, uh, one which we're dropping today. We're going to drop our later show on Christmas Eve or the day after. I haven't decided yet. And then we're going to drop another show on either the day before the New Year or New Year's Day. So when you guys listen, don't expect us to talk about anything that happened during Christmas week <laughs> or New Year's week because we are coming back with the full Christmas New Year's recap show, the Fantastic Four show, featuring Miss Lindsay, Miss Crystal, the homeboy Trayvon, and a brother. We're going to be recording that on January 4th. I'd like to be doing the Fantastic Four show on January the 4th. <laughs> And then I will be getting it out as soon as I can so y'all can hear all the, the gossip about the uh, the Christmas and New Year's shows. Looking really forward to that. So those of you faithful listeners, y'all keep that in mind as y'all listen. I don't want to get no messages like, Jay, why y'all ain't talking about this, that, and the other? Because we recording it early, okay? We're going to chill for the holidays. <laughs> all right. So there you go. Program it down. All right. All right, ladies. Well, one more question for the both of y'all. Sal. On the Emmerdales, we found out that a black 
a big bullshit that Bell Dingo is being haunted by Jim of the Black Girl Ghost. How much did you guys enjoy that predictable reveal and the fact that that little heifer was about to stab Edna with a corkscrew? I was through. I was through when she came back. Okay. This, this storyline is ridiculous. I've done everything you said. I've broken my own house window. I, I graffitied my own house. I did this and that and the other thing, and I'm not hurting a little old lady. I got drunk and trapped David's door. I was just like, no, I'm done. You don't go walking around threatening to stab old ladies. It's just not awesome. I have never seen somebody work so hard to blame a black girl for the shit they do in my entire life. <laughs> this happened is blaming a dead black girl. That takes commitment. <laughs> you know what you thought of that foolishness, Crystal? Oh, gosh. It's just Bella so irritated. <laughs> like, you know, I guess they were trying to find sympathy for this child, but it's just, it is so annoying, as you say, as um, somebody said, um, this, when she jumped, she had broken her neck. <laughs> okay. Oh, I, I kind of wish she did. I kind of wish she pulled a, uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't with her. I No 14-year-old or 15-year-old or however old she is, I know she is older than Lachlan, who is covering for her left, right, and center for some reason, but it's just like, no, I'm I'm done with her. I've been done with her since she pushed poor Gemma on that damn rock and killed her face. I was done with her before then. I was done with her when I saw her ass yelling at uh, Zach and Lisa one goddamn time like they wasn't her parents. See, them people that do that white child stereotype of just yelling and screaming at their parents while they shrug, that doesn't work for me. I got down like that at all. And she's been doing that way too damn much. I can't. But y'all know I was tweeting y'all a little while ago about uh, Zainab. When that heifer flew off that roof, I turned to the Zainab. I was like, it is better you should have died. (laughs) That's what I thought. I was done with that. (laughs) And now that heifer is back. And I can't believe Adam is back next week. What? Yeah, oh. Adam. Adam's out on. Adam's out on Tuesday. Apparently, mm-hmm. I'm just like that. I forgot nine months. Has it been nine weeks? I don't think so. I think it's been about three months Baby. since he got. But but it's kind of like on a parole period, kind of like what they're doing with Bell. If he breaks his curfew, if he does that, he goes back in. I'm telling you, Emmerdale is actively working to make me hate the show and throw all my supports to East Enders <laughs> going forward. Because for all the good shit they have been doing for years, they just fucking it up and fucking it up. Fuck. Uh, Emmerdale, Emmerdale. All right, everybody. So we are going to start things off up in Weatherfield. Let's start with you, Miss Crystal. Yeah. What did Corey do to make you say, what the hell? 
I'm going to go with the Nazaire family bust up over Aaliyah and um, Gary. It was just oh. so dumb, you know, the, prosti- the former prostitute dating father going up against beating up punching Gary because of his dating her daughter and oh she's not good for you and that is not that is not the that's not a man for you kind of BS black <laughs> that whole family just irritated me <laughs> anyway you you didn't see Yasmin walk up to Cal as soon as Nick said that Leanne was a prostitute and punch him in the face exactly and you know, Carl being so righteous, like he deserved to punch. And how Gary, Gary is violent. Um, you just punched him. That's the Alia had was to point out. Uh, it just, it just was bad. <laughs> and see, I saw it coming, but I didn't understand it. And I had a feeling once it played out, I still wouldn't understand it, and I didn't like. Coronation Street really didn't do anything to make it seem like Cal would have a problem with Gary. Like, since he's been back, have those two even ever argued about anything? No. I think maybe a little bit, but the the business things, he didn't get into the business, but that argument was more with Owen than it was with Gary, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this just came out of the blue. I mean, hell. Yeah. Yeah, that would be like, if Norris was straight and Norris got with Emily and then Rita went up to him and was like, how could you date it? That's just how it was. It was, just, it was so over the top. And I feel like, you know, now I expect Coronation Street had a long time to think about how they would develop, you know, this new family. But I just don't feel like they're doing much to enamor them to the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yes, they got the community center that's one room with three chairs that could supposedly fit three trillion people. Uh, yes, Yasmin is giving a gay man romantic advice a day before. She's yelling at her daughter for getting with a war veteran. I just, I, I just don't I mean, I don't know, know they were trying doing. to play it out like, you know, a Muslim artist, a non-Muslim or some kind of thing like that. But at least you could have, you could have come to Gary in a respectful way. <laughs> Especially when everybody, the daughter was explaining what happened and all kind of thing. You could step back and you, as you say, he was, he's a veteran. You, he served, you served together. <laughs> so, you know, you should at least, that supposedly build some trust. You should at least hear them out. And even if you're still disagree over religion let's let's actually have a conversation about that instead of the stupid over the top which is like <laughs> which as you say you're not you're not sure always the the issue is it race is it, yeah right like and to say anything it's just like is is it class you know right because it, did anybody bring up the fact that cal is dating the ex of no well no. See, that doesn't make any sense. I went to Twitter because I was too stole that th- th- this is kind of what was happening. And I went to Twitter and I just started searching Coronation Street hooker, Coronation Street prostitute. Everybody is like, how's this fool bad when he dated a hooker? How's this fool bad when he dated a prostitute? So if fans that watch the show can make this connection, Why can't? how is the show not making? This is, again... Coronation Street is morphing into Hollyoaks. Like, that's a Hollyoaks thing to do. And, I don't... and to have it be as bad as his, um, Carl telling her that her mother, her dead mother on the mother's birthday would have been so disappointed in her. Uh, but yeah, disappointed it, why? Exactly. That's the thing. Disappointed in her, but yes, she, you know, your ex-wife will think, oh, that's, that's good. After me, my husband found a former prostitute. How sweet. <laughs> 
You know what I'm saying? I'm ridiculous. Hell, I'm having to have my girl Lindsay explain to me why the hell uh, Zidane and Cal got issues because Coronation Street ain't giving me enough information on the show to get it. I don't know why they are refusing to flesh out this family. Even Gary and Alia, I liked them at first, but I don't feel like enough of a relationship has blossom between them for me to even care that they broke up. I don't and care. Uh, they could just go elope and say, oh, guess what? We got married. Screw you guys. That would be a good story after a little bit of time watching them develop a bit. It's right. just like you don't need to go through the trouble of complaining about how the fact that Gary isn't who you want your daughter to be with and punch him in the face. Yeah, there was more stupid. rational ways you could go about that. Yes. And since we're talking rationality, can we talk about my related what the hell was Gary rationalizing that the wise thing for Alia to do is to ask Leanne to let them <laughs> bone at her place? I was like... Yeah. Really? You think it's a good idea for her to ask a woman who doesn't approve of your relationship if y'all could go have sex at the place? But we're not going to have sex at the I was like, y'all are on my fucking nerves with this bullshit. I can't with those. It's just... I, I thought that entire thing between them, that enti- those entire two families was just ridiculous. They could have gone about it so much better than how they did. I think if you were to deal with that, at least you could have had like um, a Muslim family where you believe that they are at least staunch Muslim. If Corey wanted to do that, they really could because there was a very strong example on soaps. Mm-hmm. The Masood family. Exactly. You know, when I started watching EastEnders, I thought they did a phenomenal job at uh, kind of showing, you know, what life is like for individuals that are at least, you know, partially traditional. And I really liked how they used that in um, talking about the acceptance or not, I mean, failure to accept for a long time Saeed and his uh, sexuality. You know, I know one of my favorite moments was that all them fools stood up to Miss Bushra <laughs> and chose Saeed over Bushra. And I thought that was really good. But, yeah, they just, they just didn't with this group and I'm just like okay whatever yeah I'm a nerve exactly <laughs> you don't have no feel yes. for what the family stands for <laughs> yeah you know at least if you can say okay you're not you might disagree with them but you can see where they are coming from so when that confrontation came about even if it had the punch and take it would have been meaningful meaningful rather than just a punch for drama for drama's sake than just randomly acting all kind of thing because at least if you did see um some difficulty and you understand that the family had a tradition and, you know, there were expectations placed. And even as you say, Aaliyah was the daughter, could have been trying to live up to the family expectation while um, Kieran, the son, was failing. So, you know, you could have seen those tensions there before. So when it did happen with that Aaliyah is the one who ended up breaking tradition, it would have been like, oh, I, have this is, I see where the family coming from. But you already can't have, as you say, the, the, former prost- the father dated the former prostitutes and then acted, acted on some moral high ground. <laughs> The thing that kills me most of all is that we know Doug Carter's mother's reasons for chasing a couch. Exactly. But we don't know the Nazir family's reason 
for coming down yeah, so hard was, on Alia. While I was watching that, I was like, you know, yeah, man. Something I was like, oh yeah, okay, already we know she has two children. She's approaching fifty. This woman has a great backstory, and yet you know it has so much of people on the show have no character development, okay. and they've been there for such a long time. I'm like, bring her back. She seems like a good character. Yeah, she <laughs> should actually be a pretty cool character just to have on the show as a whole. And recently, I find Corey have a way of like this, these little guest characters that come in has more personality than anybody on the show because with her, between her and then after um Dev friend who Julie who Julie went out with oh, us. I don't know if it's because the actors are better, but they come in and you know they they actually have some life in them <laughs> compared to most of the core cast at the moment. And the actors of them not bad. I mean, you know, maybe just the writing and the job have everybody done. <laughs> I even liked her husband, the guy who played her yes, husband. Yes, I yeah, exactly. He was good too. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're coming in and these little people who come in for like one or two episodes have so much more character behind them than actually the people on the show. <laughs> Lizzie, let's stick with you and jump to Seeds of the Week, baby. What was your Seeds of the Week for Corey? Oh, my Seeds of the Week, you, you, you gotta know it had to have been David, even though David did not kick Kylie's ass out. His reactions to everything, to Eva taking her, or taking him to the bar where she was, hiding in the bathroom, and, and basically him stalking away and you need to hurry up and go chase after your husband to get another chance with him or he's going to break up with you and you're not going to have a chance and all that stuff and David and her conversation and it was just like David and as much as I hate Kylie it was more you know because of the fact that she's finally fessing up to what she been doing and everything and David pretty much saying you're pretty much sleeping on the couch for a very long time and it's just like you could have just kicked her out instead of giving her these terms and conditions I put little air quotes around that not that anybody can see but it's just like he could have done better it could have been like again a few notches down for not kicking Kylie out, but his reactions and everything to the drugs and and how he's, she's been getting them and when she's been getting them and how everything came out was pretty was pretty good to me, I think. So those were pretty much mine. Anything having to do with those two and Eva and that entire family unit, really. Yes, that is a very strong point of the show. They need to stick with that kind of stuff. David's reactions are all perfect. And, you know, I feel like all the terms and conditions and the reason he didn't kick her out is because, baby, now you know it's coming. You know, he's like, no more secrets, right? And she kind of shaking her head, no, no, and, and then, damn well. And she then ain't she's going to be ending up sleeping with what's-his-face yeah. for drugs. Mm-hmm. Or well, maybe that's what him. she's been doing. She didn't tell him that the real drug dealer is her baby's father. So I feel like that's going to come and it's going to play out, baby. And I think I've said this before. She's going to lose that man, and she deserves to, Mm -hmm. because she is putting drugs above her child. 
and her husband, and, and that's unacceptable. Said, yeah, great. And what you thought of it, uh, Crystal? Yeah, I enjoyed it. As you said, it was one of the old. It was one of the best plot, if not the only plot on the show. <laughs> I like, as you say, and it's good to see. Well, compared to Hollyoaks, good to see somebody actually having a reasonable um, response to seeing their partners, their partner on drugs, and acting upon it in a smart way. <laughs> and you mean? You're not supposed to just get engaged to them. Exactly. <laughs> he could. He should have asked her for a second wedding. Let's renew our vows, darling. <laughs> you know, seeing his darling uh, response, and and I actually do like it because as I say, Ky- Kylie is the se- sister separated at birth. You know, this whole yes. acting where she have and David's like, oh, I am fed up of. Kylie and your poor life and your poor childhood. You know, you are a mother now and you, you remember your purpose was to be that your children wouldn't have to complain. I just certain things, you know. David said that was so on point and so untrue. When, when you know, when Kylie said, you know, I've been, I've been so low, he said, you know, I'm, I find you doing drugs in the toilet. How lower can you get, Kylie? Mm, <laughs> you, know, you know, I will give coronation streak this. They have been consistent in Kylie's characterization, because mm-hmm. she has been a hot mess, and she pretty much dropped uh, Max off with Becky and was like, bye, yep. and just left for a year, you know. Uh, she isn't running around being the words of judgment to everybody, exactly. you know, when she up there snorting coke in the bathroom, you know what I'm saying? And that, is, yeah. that is why I liked it, you know, at least, you know, they're not, yes, she, has, she had a rough past, but it's not as being used as an excuse. You know, it's like, right. wait, not because you have a rough past that every time you do something bad, you, you shed a few tears and you bring up your past and we were like, oh, poor Kylie. Let's say, you David's like, no, 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 I have enough of this. I have my children to worry about. I have myself to worry about. This is too much to handle. You either get your shit together or, you know, this is not yeah. going to work out. And that is how yes, you have ma'am. to deal with drug people with drugs. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I agree wholeheartedly, baby. Wholeheartedly. What you got for your scene of the week, Miss Chris? Surprisingly, I actually did love this stuff between um, Tracy and Carla. <laughs> because I actually do think the um, actresses, yeah, bounced off well together, especially after Tracy, which is crazy, paranoid self, <laughs> smashed up the place and they're talking. I think it actually was a well good scene. They really should have them as in a good rival plot. I actually thought that scene was strong and you know how, you know, how both are telling them the feeling. As, I mean, it's from Tracy's stupid point of view, at least you could see where she is coming from and you can see where Carla is coming from and I, I just found the scene with both of them in the office good. <laughs> I hated it. I was bored. I don't want them to share any more screen time together at all. <laughs> I think this is over the top ridiculousness. She has warped her mind into this crazy realization that uh, the root of all her evils is this chick who didn't know what her brother was doing and didn't know it didn't have anything to do with her man cheating on her and it's ridiculous and her going oh nina clay on that fucking office i was just like oh girl bye it's just so boring and they, she didn't even she didn't even catch alia and gary who had went in there to sneak around and get freaky sneaky so it was all just like a waste of time i'm over it i want it over and done with because it's irritating me what is not irritating me though and what did not irritate me was carla and michelle fighting over claudio when they went to go get their massages 
that I thought was cute. It was a little small moment, but it was so cute, you know. And Carla uh, made sure to let uh, Michelle go ahead on and get uh, Claudio. And she dealt with that heifer. What was that heifer's name? Philomena. 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 It is not hard to say, but the fun thing is the mouthful, so I just go myself. <laughs> It irritated me, but I thought those two fighting was cute. And I'm going to throw in a couple other quick scenes of the week because they were really quick and pretty much the only bright spots to be on Coronation Street. Mike was cute behind, revealing that he spent 14 years as a Santa Claus. I was, <laughs> I was like, of course you did, you cute, cute man. Where are the boots? Where are the boots? And he okay. You can't be Santa without the right boots. What the hell wrong with you? I loved it. I thought it was great. My boy Kirk, the wedding planner, loved Kirky. him. Oh, Kirky. Kirk as wedding planner is Jay as a wedding planner. I ain't know nothing about all that. I would have been the pick my best. I'd be like, whatever. Yeah, I, I do. Let's go. <laughs> Kirk, that's my man. And last one. Sean and Billy are everything. Yes, 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 I yes. I love it. I love it. I could have done with three million times more them over the past two weeks and three million times less Sofa. It's a nice little vibe. They're not making a huge thing about him being a priest. I'm already envisioning Sean as a pastor's wife. And you can already start to see how, you know, the differences in their profession could impact the relationship. But you already got Billy trying to just kind of calm it down. What homeboy was like, you work in textiles? I work for the church. So we're both bit of the cloth. I was dead to the I was like... I have been begging and screaming and crying for some happy days on my screen. Coronation Street has given them to me, and I need them to expand upon it because I'm not getting it on other soaps, and I'm already loving the little bit that we're getting on Coronation Street. So more please, Corey. I'm putting that into the universe. Alright ladies, so let's go ahead and get into the ins and outs of what happened on the Hollyoaks. Lindsay, let's have you start this one off. What did Hollyoaks do to make you say, what in the actual hell? The thing that really pissed me off was Rick freaking Spencer making that poor little boy Jason fight with an itching hand. Because he put money on him. <laughs> I was just like, why do you do that for? You, you, don't, you, you don't bet on your son. You just kind of like say, hey, charity, think of this as a charity event. And you put money toward charity. You don't gamble with Trevor and say, guess what? I'm putting both my sons in the ring now. Let's have, or Robbie has to throw the fight. And it's just like, what a dumb ass storyline, just as a whole. I mean, think about it. So the guy who's supposed to fight your son drops out, and you decide that what you want to do is to have one son fight another mm-hmm. son. Hollyoaks played that for laugh, 
but think about it. You're going to have two brothers box each other. Are you fucking kidding me? What kind of shitty parenting is that? And where did that mindset even come from? We didn't get any indication from the way Rick's been written that he's just cool with his kids fighting one another. Are you kidding me? And what's this gambling bullshit? What happened to his club? He started off at the club, at his own club, looking like Bruiser Brady 2.0. From what I remember, it was kind of going down the tube to start with. Like, but that doesn't mind. matter. Again, this is more Hollyoaks bullshit. We have to fill in the blanks because Hollyoaks isn't following through with their characterization. So to me, that, that's the thing that killed me. Number one, you've been two sons against each other and number two your son has hurt his hand you're not going to have your son who fucked up his hand which he needs in a boxing match you're not going to have him stop like it's (laughs) irritating as irritating as a homeboy going to the extreme of slamming a uh, the hood of a car on his hand hand to get out of a fight because it's too difficult to say no I'm not doing the fight period he tried to coerce him to do it anyway so it's just it like, doesn't matter and you can try to co- you can try to coerce me to jump off a bridge all day long i'm not doing it no, no. i mean it's, it's stupid it's just like it, there's an easy way for you to do this okay just have him say he's not gonna do it why don't you have the story be his dad is mad at him can we see what their relationship is like but no let's do a shocking thing let's have the dude who's not eating slam his hand in the hood of a car and just be fine. Because he hadn't eaten anything for months. So, yeah, that, that's just going to be fine. He's safe to be able to he found it, thing. man. You know, <laughs> just stupid. Yeah, I agree, baby. What the hell? I was ugh, I was not happy with that foolishness. What you got, Miss Crystal? Oh, wow. My, my thing of the week is just um, with Hollywood's foolishness. And it's just a small thing that bugged me with um, Loki and... Um, John Paul, the fact that you're playing that Loki is kind inappropriately touching John Paul, the one who just got raped, for laugh, and there's nothing big. It's just so stupid. I just can't. It's like, did they ever take that rape story like seriously? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, it's being played for laugh, and, and Loki's cheeky, and the whole idea Loki knows is not to say that he doesn't know. He knows Mercy told him. <laughs> so, the idea that they actually playing this for laugh, and it's supposed to be cute, and ooh, so secretive, and thing. It's just, it's just so stupid. It's just another asterisk point on this entire rape storyline. <laughs> Yeah, and Crystal, the reason it made my what the hell is because in one episode, I watched the episode when it happened, Lockie grabbed John Paul's ass mm-hmm. not once, but, but two times. And I, I, I mean, I was revolted. I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? We just spent nine months with this motherfucker being raped. Being so damaged by the rape, he couldn't say one name, Finn, fucking his man finally on the day that Finn gets arrested, and then us not hearing anything about how the sex was or anything, because that's not relevant when a person got raped, right? And now, five seconds after John Paul was saying, at Portia's wedding, this guy has been flirting on me, that was like five minutes ago. Now he is 
grabbing John Paul's ass, something I don't think he even did before, mm-hmm. John Paul tried to put him on blast. With the, like, what? I mean, honestly, that's not funny. It's not funny. It's not cute. Baby, it's a big thing. Girl, I was, I was through. I was like... Are you fucking kidding me? Didn't Hollyos go on some media tour talking about how they talked to some rape charity and they was going to be all sensitive and shit with this storyline? But then five minutes later, they're going to have the guy who was raped now have his ass grabbed twice? I mean, because there are no other men on the show that Lockie could act inappropriately with, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody could understand it if he started grabbing Dodger's ass, although maybe he shouldn't, <laughs> he since Dodger was also accused of rape five minutes ago, okay? But no, it's got to be John Paul. And, of course, John Paul can't have the strength to say, I was raped, what are you doing? Or think about this. After John Paul was raped, the first time John Paul had an inappropriate reaction was when Danny kind of went up to him, and I think he tried to touch his arm or put his Mm -hmm. arm around him or something, and John Paul was like, no, get away from me, right? John Paul was so bothered about Lockie's attention towards him that he stood up in a wedding and tried to shut it down. Now, all of a sudden, the same man is going to have someone grab his ass not once but twice and not have at least as strong a reaction as he did when the guy he was dating at the time tried to put his arm around him? Like, I mean, what? And, y'all, we are expected to think that Holly Oaks is going to handle HIV well. <laughs> exactly, I know. Even the, even not even the Danny example, but I think I, even with Loki, I remember about a couple of weeks ago when when he said when um before the marriage and thing when Loki said you know um like let me show you how a real man John Paul had a reaction then you remember like he was like because that is what Finn said to him he had a reaction so the idea that you're not having him have a reaction now is just so stupid and I was saying it's been played for laugh and how John Paul and you know John Paul is being silly because it's more about you know Loki being attracted to John Paul and you know because even when he tell um Porsche or something about it it was like oh you're being so sensitive and she's like oh look you want to report it now I'm like is Hollywood actually serious here yes and you're right baby you just made me remember the real man thing because I was watching and I got pissed off and I was like oh so wait now the words real man can't be uttered in John Paul's presence otherwise he's gonna flip out so apparently you can't say the words real man in a sentence together but everybody could just grab his ass all day long you know I think let's just go to the extreme let's just have everybody in Hollyoaks on Monday's episode just no on the day of his wedding on the day of his wedding let's have John Paul be the one walking down the aisle while Steve is waiting for him and let's just have everyone at the wedding just grab John Paul's ass let's you know if we're gonna do it let's do it right let's do it all the way let's go balls to the balls with this shit okay because it's cute right so since it's so cute, why don't we just have everybody do it? And then Brian Kirkwood can go around and do a media tour about how he isn't going to apologize for that because that's a whole Hollywood story and that's how they think. <laughs> I'm through with this bullshit. <laughs> Crystal, I'm throwing back to you. What's your scene of the week, folks? scene of the week for Hollywood. What did I have? What did I have? What did I have? Oh, yeah, I did like <laughs> the scene where... um. Dodger, Dodger was calling Patrick on his mommy issues. <laughs> Patrick 
punch, punched him. Just the fact that Dredger was getting so under Patrick's skin was amusing to see. And it's one of the few times, you know, um, Jeremy says he actually showed more character. Just, you know, he always angry face and what didn't mommy, didn't mommy love you enough? Didn't she hug you enough? That now you have to take it out on every woman. <laughs> I got, I'm, glad, I'm glad that at least they are playing up, you know, his anger. Is he then was actually just a good little scene because the rest of the show was just irritating me. <laughs> Did exactly. I say by scene of the week now? Just <laughs> right into it. Nancy drives up in a taxi cab with that baby in the back of the cab and get in the car because you're not having anything to do with this baby ever again. And they drove away. <laughs> exactly. It was a good scene, but I actually like that. It was it was, but it was just as the Nancy, as, as, Nancy picked up that baby from the babysitter and put it in a taxi and said, "Come on, we're gonna go get Maxie." And they went and grabbed her. And you're not allowed to see my baby anymore. And she got in the back seat of that taxi and they drove away, leaving Patrick with this face of absolute uh. Which means there's going to be more shit going down, mm-hmm. but it was still one of the best faces yeah. I've seen in the past two weeks. Alright, we're going to get into the ins and outs of Emmerdale. Lynn, start us off, girl. What did Emmerdale do to make you say, what the hell? Why can't the man take a shower? That is disgusting and rude, and I I can't with them. And then, apparently, this one-off that was supposed to be a one-off ended up being a two-off because he went upstairs (laughs) this week with him. So it's just like, oh... Well, that was my what the hell also. Aaron and, Aaron and Russ and the whole convoluted, um, I guess, love story that is going to play. Oh, I fear whatever is going to be. I'll say, as you say, um, all of a sudden, um, Robert hears um, Aaron say, I'm gay. So he has a fight with Chrissy. Rushes say his car broke down, all of a sudden, oh, we have tension, and you know why I'm here, we're making out, and I run back to my wife, and I see you later, and already, Aaron is using poor Finn <laughs> to play games, yeah. and uh, uh, like, uh, yeah. none of them is coming out likable in this story. Poor I mean, uh, Finn. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Finn was an idiot to even think it was a date after the last time, eh? I mean, <laughs> But still, and Aaron, and Aaron being all, but yeah, didn't would Aaron all like, you know, say something interesting with his bad, grumpy attitude? <laughs> it's just that, ugh, God, this story, like, <laughs> as I said, it had no built up to actually showing that they were interested in each other. It's like, wow, what, what does Aaron see in Robert other than that maybe he be, might be sort of good looking, that they all, all of a sudden, you know, Aaron, um, Robert himself is just like, okay, you know, um, I'm going to risk everything on this person who I barely had any likable conversation with, and is now trying to be portrayed as this heated, passionate thing that neither of them can could control. But I did like um when um <laughs> when how jumpy Robert is. <laughs> Anytime anybody mentions Aaron <laughs> in the last couple yeah. of episodes, 
He is ridiculous. Yeah, he exactly. is completely ridiculous with it. Dan was just like, uh, yeah, like uh, Aaron fixed your car. And uh, he was kind of like, I didn't give him a blowjob. I'm just like, so can you be any more up? What are you? Stop. Jesus. Uh, well, he wouldn't be able to lie, he able I mean, to lie out his teeth if he wanted to. He could look at somebody and say something, and they would say, you're lying out your teeth. Tell the truth now. Exactly. Yeah, and Emmerdale wants us to think that he's some kind of psychological uh, mastermind that was able to uh, play that Pusta Lawrence for years. I do not buy that at all. This dude is a joke. This uh, is, uh, isn't exactly my first what the hell, but it sure was on my mind as well. Um, I made a note that uh, Robert and Aaron as Stendhal Light, I, I did not like that at all. Why the fuck does every damn gay relationship seemingly have to start off with some fucking shove. Brendan and Stee, he's beating the shit out of Stee, and Stee gets hard. George and Vincent, Vincent pushes George into a wall of halios. George, the man who called him a thief and a drug dealer, and then all of a sudden, George is kissing him. And now we have, oh, let me not forget Johnny and Ben. Mm-hmm. Ben is getting ready to kiss on Johnny. Next thing, here comes Abby. Now he's pushing Johnny and calling him a fag or queer and all that other kind of shit. And now, Aaron and Robert. Robert hates Aaron. Aaron hates Robert. But all of a sudden, here comes Robert sneaking up into the little pub or whatever. He sees Aaron. He's pushing Aaron. Aaron's pushing him. And then they're kissing. Like, this is ridiculous. Oh, okay. So, um, I know I heard one of you guys saying something about how uh, these relationships are always seen as something that's so passionate. So, I'm aware that that mindset is out there. That's why I thought it was so powerful. Uh, on the episode of EastEnders I just watched. After Tosh beat Tina's ass for no good reason, Tina said, when we used to row, I used to think it was passionate. Mm -hmm. But it's not. It's totally messed up. And that's how I felt watching whatever the fuck is happening between uh, Robert and Aaron. I don't see how it's love if it's supposed to be developing into some type of love all it seems like to me is some unhealthy train wreck which like I said last time I'm mildly interested in but honestly watching it play out on screen all I want to do is see Chrissy find out so that this shit could be over and done with because if the deal is to get Robert and Aaron to start to work on some sort of love I need the drama to happen so they can just go ahead and jump and get there. Because that's what interests me. Two men working together and building relationship and navigating relationship normally. Not this, let me be another gay man who cheats on a straight woman. So now we got the whole down low bullshit coming back up. And let Aaron, who beat the fuck up out of Patty, 
uh, damn near threatened to kill Edna, uh, beat up his first love of his life before Jackson. they ended up being together. Let's just get to who these two men are. Exactly the actual actual love. No, the actual love part. If you, as I say, if you watch all these storylines, ninety percent of them is these tired played out tropes. You know, and and people think like I'm coming from a shippers point, but I really don't ship things, and that is one of the things I actually thought. You don't get cute. You don't get nice. You don't get likable. It's always this self hatred. I'm cheating on. I'm I'm cheating on a woman. I, I hate you, I pull you down. I mean, this this is 2014. Is that the kind of continual image of love and sexuality you want to send out to young gay boys there when when sexual when gay sexuality is um you underrepresented or only represented in that way on TV? You know, it's it's, it's just silly. <laughs> and I mean, as the as I was going to say before before we go, um, the the scene by the staircase, it is so done to titillate fans. You know, with a high punch, I I hit you on that wall, you hit me on that wall, and we kiss. It's just like it's not. It's just predictable now. It's not like they're not even trying. And you know, like at least sometimes they used to say, okay, the punch might have come from somewhere, but it's, you know, it's like, oh yes, we know the audience like this, so let's do it. <laughs> it's so silly. <laughs> And the thing that kills me is that this is happening on Emmerdale. I'm just like, Emmerdale has been a quality soap for a very long time. So what the fuck? Again, my theme of the day is these soaps are morphing into Hollyoaks. What is with this Hollyoaks bullshit on Emmerdale? What fans were they trying to please with that? Definitely not long-term fans like myself who rode with Aaron the first time through all his ups and downs, who forgave his bullshit the first time, but now on his return visit, he's threatened a woman and now was involved with a man who he knows is involved with a woman, getting ready to get married to a woman, and he's still sleeping with dude for what reason? I mean, Aaron used to kind of need to like somebody, but now he's just messing around with this dude who he doesn't like mm. for no reason. I mean, is he that horny? Has, has, have his hands been broken? <laughs> Can he no longer jerk off like most men do? Like, I just don't understand the point of this whole Robert thing. It's ridiculous. And the fact that Emmerdale, a show that I expect prides itself on being, you know, reputable and sensitive when it comes to certain issues, has allowed... Robert and Aaron to start off doing the violent bullshit. We're pushing each other. We're angry with each other. But somehow they had some mental connection, which meant that that was sexy and we need to go fuck. I have been out about 20 years. I've never pushed a man, kissed him, and then fucked him. Like, that's not normal. You don't do that. That's not a healthy image to send out because it's stupid and irresponsible and it's not real life at all. And regardless of people trying to say, oh, it's a soap opera, it's not real life. Soap operas are a reflection of real life. So when you put out the message that pushing one another and then fucking is normal, the fuck are you doing? And again, on Emmerdale, the show that gave us a kick-ass story with Val and her HIV Diagnosis. Yeah, I mean, what? It's, uh, it's, it's, exactly. it's just, I mean, I, I, as you said, the question, as you say, when 
Robert pushed Aaron on the car, and his 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 response is to look or lovingly in um, Robert's eye. I mean, who who does that? Who gets pushed on a car and shoved and then looks at each other lovingly? It's not realistic. It's like you you're ba- reading these bad romance novels. <laughs> like, and let's go back. Remember, the whole deal with bringing Aaron back, right, is that it would be a shame to put him together with another gay character because they both happen to be gay. Like, that's Which Kate they tried. thing. That's Kate Oates' thing. That's what she went, said before he came back and when people was asking, hey, you going to hook Aaron and Finna. Okay, so it's not a shame to hook Aaron and Robert up because Aaron, because Robert happens to be bisexual oh no i'm not bisexual i'm straight okay so because we have a bisexual man who refuses to identify as bisexual and identifies as straight it's okay and not a shame to bring the straight bisexual together with the gay gay because anyway he's straight so we're going to bring together the gay boy and the straight boy who's really bisexual that's not a shame but bringing together Aaron, who's a gay, and Finn, who's a gay, that would be a shame, except we're going to do it, and then have Aaron treat Finn like shit repeatedly, mm-hmm. and have yes. Finn continue to buy Aaron drink after drink and food. I mean, Aaron keeps having his hand up. His ass went to the house. Finn was eating a fucking bacon body or whatever. This bitch is like, give me one. And this motherfucker goes to make him food. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't understand. Why is this the issue for the gay characters? This isn't happening with any straight people on the show. It's happening to the gay. And I, just, I don't fucking understand. It's so stupid. And just like I felt with Hollyoaks, when Brian Kirkwood came on, started with a strong storyline for Esther, and then neglected Steve and Doug's marriage for nine months, okay? Emmerdale has been knocking it out of the park with the majority of their storylines, but now Aaron's back. He's threatening women. He's helping Adam in some fucked up situation that leads to a woman's death. And now it's a shame to put him together with a gay man who we're still going to have, have a one night stand with and then treat the dude he had this one night stand with who's sweet like shit. Cause he's not my type, but Aaron's got his hand out for a drink every five goddamn minutes. Yes. And wants this motherfucker to pay for him a drink, even though it's not his type. And then to top it off, he hears Robert's going to be at the pub, so he invites Finn on a date, which, yes, was stupid. And Victoria even said, I don't know why the fuck you did that shit given what happened last time, okay? He's going to invite Finn on a date to make Robert jealous? For what? Robert doesn't give a fuck. He's with another woman. Aaron shouldn't give a fuck. He's Aaron Livesey. He cares about nothing. So why... Is he attracted to this asshole? Hell, Jackson did more to show he was interested in this motherfucker, and Aaron wasn't bothered in forever. That brother Ed did more to show he was interested in Aaron, and, and he, he was not bothered he wasn't interested in the show. Okay? <laughs> Robert has shown pretty much no interest, except he fucked him a couple times, and now all of a sudden, Aaron is sprung like he's, it's his first dick. Right? <laughs> it doesn't make any fucking sense, and it drives me fucking crazy. And now... They have Finn 
flipping out because his homegirl, who he's pretending to be married to, and they're drunk and they have a fake wedding, kissed him at, at, at the altar like you do when you get married. It wasn't that serious. So now Emmerdale has him flipping out because... It reminds him of or he's dealing with shit about his mama from back in the day. What? It didn't make well, any she's sense. coming on though, so. But it doesn't make any sense. How in the hell do you make a logical jump from y'all are drunk and cute and you have a little kiss and the way to end that storyline is just to have them laugh it off and then it's over? But no, they have Finn dramatically and gaily running out of the church. Oh my God, I was kissed by a girl. And then Victoria's crying because she thinks she lost her best friend. That that didn't even need to happen. It was stupid. I was just, I don't know what the fuck is going on at, with Emmerdale and these gay. They need to fucking stop it. Because, see, everything that they have done to build this into a quality show, the way they're writing these gays, it's it's ruining it. It's it's just it's fucking ridiculous. It's I just I don't get it. it, it I thought it was it was very much like Priya. Finally find it out that the man she uh, got arranged to marry loved her. And then being like, oh, my God, I can't marry him now that he loves me. It, it's like, don't do that. Those are twists are stupid. And I think beneath the show, why fuck up a good show with ridiculous bullshit like that? I just, whew, child, I don't get it. <laughs> And that wasn't even my what the hell. What the hell is Shit. My what the hell was that fucking uh, bruiser ass beating his daddy ass priest getting to be a fucking priest again. Are you kidding me? He beat the shit out of his daddy because he had a bad day over and over again. Sandy too stupid to report his ass. He lost his fucking collar, was at a goddamn burger joint, being told what to do by some kids, was homeless, suffering, because he should have suffered, because you don't beat your goddamn old-ass security ass, social security ass collecting daddy like that. Now, all of a sudden, because Harriet, the nice priest, decides to go against the dirty cop who's trying to get charity, who he used as a prostitute back in the day, and using Pete to get charity for some old shit. Now because the the priest Harriet is trying to find out some information to determine if Rachel is alive, she put a little cute little thing and snuck up into the office where she didn't realize had a camera to get, you know, find out, hey, is Rachel okay? Where is Rachel at? Now all of a sudden, that is an act that is worth her collar being gone and Sandy, I mean, and Ashley's being returned, he beat his daddy and lost his collar. She broke into an office or kind of snuck her way into an office to find out if a heifer was a dead or alive. Really? Trying to find out if somebody is dead or alive on the cool, it's worth losing your collar, but beating your daddy ass is a reason to be welcome back into the loving arms of God. What the hell? I'm, I'm not, Emmerdale is Holly. Every, what is the, this Hollyoaks bullshit? I, I just, I can't. I have feelings. <laughs> All right. That's my I'm up here sweating, y'all. I'm too sorry. 
what the hell? Who did I go? I think I went with yeah, you, Second Crystal. What you have for your uh, seed of the week? Thank you. Have, uh, this, 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 uh, seed of the week for Amadeus. Where's my list? Oh, there it is. Um, um, yeah, Key and Punch and Kieran. <laughs> I mean, I'm not normally violent, but Kiran has been irritating me all week. <laughs> and it's just like, well, actually, it's just like a lot of things involved with and looking at it. And I just, I just like the whole build up to the scene and the drama, and you know, like, oh, Kieran is going to get this little boy. <laughs> I, it's just, and I know, um, with Kieran being you know, 17 and old, <laughs> and as he punched him, and, oh, um, yes. and, oh, 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 and, and oh, laughing, and Aaron, yeah, I like Aaron, who looks younger than him at some point, was like, kid, he's just a kid, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is so silly, but I did enjoy Kane punching him, because he was, I, I was ready to punch him, but between him and Belle, there are just two people I just want to punch so much, they're just so irritated, and it's so, I don't know, ever since people like start seeing, he doesn't look like 17, they've just shown decided we are going to hyper up his 17-year-oldness, and has him more irritating than ever, and more irresponsible, and just, blah. so when he get punched, I was like, just kind of happy, plus he nearly killed Myra, so... Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't care too much about that. Yeah. Myra been actually yeah, but when, 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 when it comes to Adam, she always acts stupid. Yes, God. You know, I will give Kieran this. Once the truth, you know, he told his dad the truth, and once it came out what he had done, he was a man, and he claimed that shit. He went to Myra's house to apologize. I felt that. I was like, all right. And he wasn't trying to run from Kane. He Kane called. He walked on over. He got his little puppy face on because he knew he was in the wrong, but he wasn't running for shit. You know what I'm saying? And I wasn't mad at, I wasn't mad at Rakesh. You know, he did what he had to do. I thought it was slick how Kane schemed yeah, I with like Rakesh. Really, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I in order to get, in order to get, uh, charity. Yeah, in order to get charity off. Lawyer. That I was that like, was more like a forced thing. There was no scheming there. That was a your son will be safe unless you don't do this for me. I do, I do <laughs> there was no that. scheming there. Yes. But I do think the um a rivalry between Kim and Kane and Rakesh could be good. Because, you know, so it, it needed to be a battle for, like, top dog. And Rakesh is not too stupid. As you said, he got rid of the car smoothly. They still don't have the car. Mm-hmm. And he went, you know, was like, they, okay, hand me the keys. I'll get this. Where did you leave it? Took it out, you know. Like, you took it to the farm. And, you know, yes, he's he's helping um, Kane with charity now. But as you say, uh, Kane was like, you know, it's, it's going to be over when I say it over. I don't think Rakesh is the kind of man who okay. will stick with that. <laughs> Okay. So I did. No. I did like it. I guess to fuck with. Yeah. <laughs> and it was good. Like, again, what happened between Rakesh and Karen is what I wish would happen with the Nazirs on Coronation Street. That was a moment for you to see the deepening of the relationship between father and son. I feel like Emmerdale does this well. They're just deepening, you know, that relationship. You know, he was going to do what he had to do to make sure his son ain't getting no trouble for that shit. You know what I'm saying? And he handled it. And when people was like, the car was missing, well, I think that was Aaron or Dan that came by the house like, hey, the car 
was Jack. He was just kind of like, oh, yeah, really? You know, he was cool with it. He, he gave no indication that he knew what the hell was going on. And it was it was perfect. I loved it, you know. So I didn't like for a minute, you know, how Karen had handled it. But when that truth came out, you know, homeboy, he, he took it like a man. He wasn't running a coward like no little bitch. He was like, yeah, I did it. You know, I'm take what I got to take, whatever, you know. And I, I really liked the way that played out. But, yeah, that pu- that punch, he had that punch coming, baby. Yes, I'm with you. <laughs> he really did. Uh, and it was good to see Keen with some life back into him, not, not as violent. Not just to be violent, but you know, he has been a little too simmering in the background. I've been liking Kane. Those, uh, those, those eyeballs. Oh, I could just watch him with anger in those eyeballs yes, all day. Yes. day. Oh, I love his eyes. <laughs> Something this conversation is making me remember is that they actually even brought it back to Vanessa helping Adam. Because was it, was it Adam had stole some yeah, tranquilizers yeah. from the damn vet? Yeah. yeah. And Moira pretty much said, because of this, you are not right. my friend anymore. And I'm like... But but you know what Vanessa had a point. She was on it because Myra came to her and asked for her to do a favor for her son, and I think not call the police or whatever for whatever for him doing that stuff. And she did it. You know what I'm saying? So she was right. She was like, "Yeah, uh, you owe me." You know what I'm saying? And she didn't want it to be like that. She wanted just you know for the sake of the friendship for Myra to just. Let that shit slide. But Myra being hard-headed, I need to call her, help us, whatever. So she's like, okay, bitch, well, I ain't forgot what had happened with Adam. I thought that was good, you know, because I forgot about that little beat. But it was it was excellent that Emmerdale brought that back up. And this is why things like the bullshit between Aaron, Robert, and Finn annoy me, because Emmerdale has the capacity to use history and you know, nurture relationships well on the one hand, but it seems like when it comes to the gay folks, when it comes to their relationships with other gays, it's some bullshit. You know, it's cool if they associate with family and shit, you know, then you're, you're seeing depth in relationship and things like that. But when it comes to trying to get them into romantic situations, it's some bullshit. Anyway. So, anyway, yeah. I hear you. I like the punch, too. That's <laughs> I was going to say the lead up to uh, Ruby and what's her face's wedding, but I changed my mind because uh, when Marlon finally had the guts to walk up to Ross and said, April likes you, would you mind coming over and spending time with her for a little bit? And everything, because she seems to like you, and she seems to think I am extremely mean whenever I say I don't want you near her, blah, blah, blah. What really got me about the scene afterwards was he went through the trouble of inviting him back to go it again, and Laurel walked in. And it wasn't the fact that Marlon went and asked him to come over again and or come over and everything because of April that really caught the scene for me. It was Laurel's reaction when she walked in on Marlon saying, please come over again because she really likes you, knowing how much Laurel hates him. And her reaction pretty much saying, we are in this for better, for worse, even though we're not really in this at all, really. Because I was just like, oh, my God, this is like the most best 
seen ever. And I was just, yeah, I, I think that entire bunch of stuff with Marlon, Ross, April, and Laurel, that entire thing there was just perfection. We are going to go ahead and finish off over there on the square at East Enders. Lindsay, we're going to throw it back to you. What did East Enders do make to make you say, what the hell? Nick being stupid enough to walk out. Sure, you know, being quarantined inside a house 24-7 is great and all. But Nick walking outside and then Ian, of all people, realizing that it's him. And then they all push him into the house and then that saying, don't tell anybody that he's alive. And then what does he do, which is going to be great fun, I'm sure, is walk straight into Phil's house and say, Sharon, Nick Cotton's still alive. And I'm like, I don't even care about this character. I don't care about Ian. I don't care about any of this stuff. Yes, I want nothing to do with Ian. He has just been annoying as all oh, get out. My God. What do you have for your uh, what the hell? Okay, this has gone between being like my scene of the week and the my what the hell because it's Ian, but so I'm going to stick with my what the hell. I mean, Ian at the the engagement party. What a whiny weasel. I mean, I guess I know what Peter did was wrong. And Peter called him when his crap was bad. But just the, he that his so bitterness and self-centeredness that he could go to his sad engagement thing. And just to use that moment, I'm, I'm going to embarrass you. I'm going to pull you down there. It was just so, uh, you know, just going to strangle <laughs> Ian was that engagement party was a hoot though. Yes, it was a hoot. I was saying it's not what the hell has been bad, but what the hell, Ian? <laughs> I know he was angry, but to, to just like, and I mean, the scene with, with Peter calling him out and, you know, like crying one coward, I understand, so I understand the anger from his point of view. But to stoop so low. <laughs> I mean, at the go to, you know, you know, you're going on a Sunday moment. Your son's going to get engaged specifically with the intention of publicly embarrassing him. You know, at, at least what went on between Peter and Ian was at least in the privacy of their own home with family, but to publicly embarrassing Peter in front of his girlfriends and his friends just to get to get your win. And you know, you know who is. Who is the coward now? Who is crying now? Staying at the end. It was like, oh gosh, Ian, you're such a weasel. What the hell? You <laughs> so, thought Max Branning was a weasel. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Ian, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I just like, Ian could just be so low. <laughs> Ian is a very much a combination of Cal on Coronation Street and Steve on Hollywood. Oh, my God. Because on the one hand, he could fuck a hoe. He could fuck a prostitute all goddamn day long. But then he's judgmental to other people about the shit that they do. But he fucked a hoe and let Mick Carter Come take the Okay, honestly, done. Y'all said the engagement party was a hoot. I thought it was boring as fuck. Peter quit. He's out the door. Lauren going on maternity leave, hopefully forever. She off the show. I don't give a fuck about them. Bye. It was, ugh, I was over it. And Ian, anything involving him, fuck it. Ugh, I just, 
I need him to die. I hope he killed Lucy and he goes. <laughs> I can't get him. For me, my what the hell was Johnny and that uh, Vespa, that goddamn rape escape, <laughs> calling that uh, whack ass, fried ass. Uh, three second long boyfriend he had and asking to stay with him. <laughs> oh, what? So are y'all at least about to have Johnny go right off in a vessel that a rapist gave him to go stay with a boyfriend that nobody cares about? Like, I doubt what? it because he fell I off it. <laughs> he was practicing. He still uh, fell off it. Girl. <laughs> Another. <laughs> I just, I just, um, yeah, man, I, I think they, are, they might recast Johnny. So I just think they might give him a temporary um <laughs> exit. That's why they're just like, oh, I'm going to see what is Ludo, what his name is. <laughs> Gian, Gianni, yeah. He just, he Honestly, Gianni. I hope they don't. You know, they could br- maybe they could bring on a gay cousin Carter. I don't want Johnny recast. I like the kid in the row. I just it's too soon. I mean, bring on another gay. You know, I think I told this to Lens on the Twitter rates. Uh, Martin and his fine ass, that tall, sexy drink of water. Oh, hell yeah. We need to make a Martin gay, and we need Martin and Ben to hook it on up. Because Martin was fine as hell. And Ben, ooh, yes. They can do. Now, I don't know. He was just on a date. So I'm like, did they do all this fanfare just to have it on for a fucking day? But I really liked him, and I thought they could get it together. But, yeah, I hope they don't recast Johnny. And I just, He calling John Luca? Really? That guy and him had no fucking chemistry. And now all of a sudden he going to just go and stay with it? Girl, bye. I was over and done with it. <laughs> Let's go to Seed of the Week. Uh, Crystal Thor, back to you. What was your Seed of the Week for me? My Seed of the Week was um, Tina and Tush. A lot of the things that went on, and not everything, because I do have some qualms over some of the things, but the, the fight, the, the pulled up to the fight was real good. The, the actresses, from the moment she started to see the watch and pull it off, it just felt, felt real and, and well done. And even... Even, let me see how I'm going for this. Even with the fact that Tina's still saying, you know, she loves her, I can't understand it from the point of view of an abused victim thinking that, you know, I love you, I see the good in you, but we can't be together anymore. So I, I really did like those scenes. <laughs> that entire storyline up from the her hiding Sonia in the bathroom and or no she hit her in the bedroom and then Sonia ran to the bathroom to and and you know everything leading up from the Sonia nits because those two are just so good together anyway that it I'm glad that Tash left because she doesn't need the abuse anymore about hanging out with her best friend so it's just like bleh. Good on you. Away you go. I think you said the only way that it would be that that uh, <laughs> that the uh, exit would have been made any better was if uh, oh god, what was it? I don't remember. But I a flying car door yeah, came and matted her ass. Uh-huh. <laughs> the flying car door. But I said, or Johnny drives up and runs. Did <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I do have problems with the storyline in the sense that I do think it wasn't, it had, the, it wasn't developed and um, told properly. They, don't, they didn't pay much attention to it, but when it was on, the little few moments was good. 
is, but it was an undeveloped story. It's not a story you'll think about. Oh, we're going to tell. We're going to remember this as a EastEnders, EastEnders highlight years from now, ten years from now. Do you mean um, Tosh and Tina's abuse baby? Yeah. You know, actually, no, I disagree with you on that. Actually, I, I was think say, I, 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 I that know. built up pretty damn well. There's, What'd you say, Lens? I was going to say it's been kind of building up for a yeah, very I, long I, time. Yeah. There's no unresolved to this there. Yeah, no, it's not unresolved thing, but I didn't. I did think they they should have focused. How can I say this? Focus more on the relationship, not at the beating every single time, because you did. You do understand the board characters, but I didn't think, the, as you see, when you saw like the last week scenes where they fight and all kind of thing, I think they didn't give enough attention to the actresses to really give them the performance. Because if, I think felt if they really worked on that story, it could have been award winning, and it was too much of filler into the background for so long. And let me jump in here because um, Taj, Tina, Sonia. And Martin and everything that went on with all four of those characters is my scene of the week. And I want to say, I actually think that the way they did it was uh, was excellent. And I thought it was perfect the way it was, you know. And I think part of that, Crystal, is because I have abuser fatigue. Yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I really have abuser fatigue, you know. Right. Number one, I was already upset when... It was hinted when they first brought on Tina and Taj that uh, you have another light-skinned black girl as an abuser after we done just had Kirstie on Hollyoaks, I mean on Coronation Street, and then after her, you had Grace on Coronation Street, that little mean light-skinned heifer who was... uh, plotting with Faye and fucking with Simon. So here we go. Now we got another light sister that's being an abuser. I'm I'm fatigued with it, you know. Uh, I've already stopped watching the Maxine and Patrick scenes because it's too much. And I feel like the way EastEnders told this story and the way they spaced it out and the way they chose to uh, show the abuse was actually good and the perfect amount that it needed to be because even when tina first came on like a year ago and they were talking about her past relationships they made it clear from the jump that her relationship with tosh has always been abusive and nobody has liked her for that reason and then when tosh came on you could see in her entire personality that there was something kind of fucked up that you know kind of was in the way that her that she thought and you could see first her little flickers of jealousy and then you know the first action was when she had uh i think she had hurt tina's arm or whatever on that bedroom door that was the first thing and then uh later on that was you know old girl slapping uh tosh and then tosh punching her you know what i'm saying You know, and then you have that escalation. And meanwhile, in the background, you know that uh, Tosh is jealous because she knows about the kiss between uh, Tina and, oh, girl, and Sonia. And every time, you know, Tosh is kind of feeling a little jealous, she's always finding Tina with something having to do with Sonia. And then the killer was babe with her slick ass. Because she didn't want her girl to leave town with this heifer. She just like, hmm, look at this watch right here. Uh-huh. Maybe it's Sonia's. Maybe you should go see if this is Sonia's watch. You know, finally took her to the point where she beats Tina 
to the point where, you know, you know you never need to go back mm-hmm. to a person like that. And I even like EastEnders' choice in not showing the actual assault. Yes, I did like that, yeah. Get angry, and then you saw how she looked after the fact. Like and I, I ra- like that running I out with her head down and everything. Yeah. Oh, and I <laughs> applaud that. Where I don't applaud long, overly extended abuse storyline that has seen Maxine hit with a belt, Maxine face put in the toilet, Maxine being forced to eat when she wasn't hungry, and all of that for no purpose because Maxine continues to. Get out of the situation, get back into the situation. Get out of the situation, get back into the situation. Illogically, Max Patrick has abused her worse than Taj abused Tina, and the heaven keeps going back, and it makes no sense. Tina has been consistent in her love for this woman, and she, you know, the way Eastenders wrote it, it made a warped sort of sense that Tina stayed until this last time when she decided she was completely done. And I loved how EastEnders had that relationship paralleling Sonya and Martin's relationship, which Sonya has been saying for over a year has been rocky, and Sonya went to the point where she got a gastric band to lose five fucking pounds. Now that got all my goddamn nerves. Like, Jesus, you can, you can get on the scale in the morning, you can get on the scale at night exactly. if your food and diet just your five pounds lighter. Anyway, but she went to extremes trying to get the man that she loved to notice her, and he still didn't notice her. And she recognized when they were together that they just want different things out of life, and that's okay, but it's time for them to move on. And that took a year to build up. And both relationships exploded at the same time. And what happened? You got Tina going to Sonia for that love at the end. And it was beautiful. So I feel like the way EastEnders set it up was perfectly, you know, I will give you this, Crystal. I could have done with more Tina, Sonia, and less Ian Beal and Peter and extras we don't give a fuck about. Yeah, so if I know what's coming, yeah, but, but yeah, Easton shifted the balance more there. Okay, yeah, I, I did, as I yeah. said, I understand the point you're making, and I did um did like the story. As I said, the characters and them needed a little more focus on this stuff yeah. and thing. Because what I didn't say, like, and you know, as you said, we talked about it earlier, but the line where Tina said, you know, at first I, when we were abusing, I always seemed it as passion. I would have wanted to see a little more of that on the screen because I think a lot of viewers sometimes don't get that point. And that is why, we, we, as we are talking about the gay storyline, they conflate these abuse thing with a passion, with fieriness. So I would have liked to see a little bit with that storyline some of the, the conflation of the passion and violence. So when it reached this level, even the audience would have the moment like, oh, okay, yeah, we get the point that they are trying to make. And I think no soap has ever done that. We either have the Patrick Patrick scenario where um, it's, as you say, abuse, 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 and until he turns into this panto villain, or we have the abuser in the cases like um, Brendan and them where because they show them, because they show a passionate or a sympathetic side to them, well, they, are not, they may not be too bad, and the audience fall in the trap of not seeing that in a certain sense that it is a, is a more realistic um, 
it's more realistic in a sense that abuse relationships often does look like, as you say, like the abusers are often the Brendans and the Tinas and not the Patrick. I mean, the Patrick is normally the psycho killer that we might hear about on TV, but the, abu- the real abusers in real life are the Brendans, are the thing who, who might have likable traits, who might be nice, who might have been messed up in the past. And you might have a relationship with them that you might think is passionate and thing, but it could also be dangerous. And I would just like one soap to actually show that. So when the abuse, or even the audience who gets something caught up in these passionate things will actually say, oh yes, this is the point we have been missing because, because I think a lot of the audience still don't get it. <laughs> All right, what you got for your scene of the week, Miss Lenz? Mick and Linda at the abortion clinic. Mm. My brain, my brain just melted the minute that that Mick walked in there because she said she wanted to do it alone, and he walked in there being all husbandly and awesome and she goes into that room to get it done and then the next second you know she walks out of the room and she walks over to him and he gives him a hug and he says she says take me home and I was just like oh my god this is heartbreaking (laughs) (laughs) it was it was it was cute but in that Sad way that she could have gotten rid of a baby and he went there instead of sitting there and yelling at people across the bar because, you know, I think that was like during a moment with Dean or something. I know that there was a fight before that, but, you know, or something. I don't remember what was happening, but she said she was leaving and then he waited a few minutes and then followed right behind. And it was just like, Oh my God, this is just, Oh, those two are just meant to be. Mick and Linda are the best written couple on a show in the long, in the longest while, in the sense that, as you say, um, as you said, a disagreement on having an abortion between a husband and wife. I mean, I can't even remember the last time I've seen that on a soap. And for the most part, the husband, doesn't want it to happen, but at the end of the day, listened to his wife's point of view and was willing to allow her, seeing that, you know, are willing to allow it to go forward because he respected his wife's view of things so much was actually kind of cool. <laughs> and I mean, you know, abortion is a very touchy subject to actually even deal with. On, so, and to see EastEnders handle it well, even though they, she didn't go through in the end. <laughs> It was done really well, and I I rather enjoyed those scenes a lot. Yes. I will say I have never wanted somebody to have an abortion this much in my entire time watching stories, and I've been watching for 20 years, baby. When she told Mick, I'd have made up my mind, I'm going to abort this baby, I said, yes, you go, Linda. Go to that abortion clinic and kill that baby. <laughs> I was mad at Mick when he showed up because I knew because his behind showed up, she was going to keep that fucking baby. And I'm already looking at it like, oh, my God, if she has this baby, then we're going to have to see Mick struggling to deal with this baby that this bastard has has uh, impregnated his wife with all my We God. were talking about how it could actually be Mick's baby, too, which would make it difficult to do the whole DNA testing thing on. <laughs> it could? Well, that's yeah. what one every time added, adds up. I don't get anything with Linda. Just, oh. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay, yeah, because they, they are a sexual active couple, so okay. Okay, well, that, that will make it all better. Okay, I'm for them thinking it's one baby, man's baby, and it being another. Okay. <sighs> Love, yes. And maybe they could sore ass this child, and that child could be gay, and he could get with Ben. <laughs> that would work out perfectly. <laughs> oh, Ben. Ben needs some loving. They kind of just brought him on to be a dude. You do, like, um, young and restless of them age, age, quick aging, <laughs> where the baby goes yeah. away and come back and he's 21. Yes, girl, they love some soap opera rapid aging syndrome on them American soap. Oh, definitely. Oh, my goodness. All righty. Um, yeah, I think that's all of our scenes of the week. All right, so let's get into our fucking best characters of the boss. Lynn, let's start with you. Who is your selection for the best? I think this month has to go to Laurel from Emmerdale. Just Good pick. based around her reaction to, you know, like I said before, her re- reaction to how everything revolves around April and nothing revolves around her. It's, it's got to be her this week or this couple weeks. She's been excellent, excellent, excellent. Uh, with her portrayal, you know, I've just been a little nervous. I don't like her getting close to that um, bruiser-ass priest telling all her business about her relationship. I'm like, ah, girl, you stay away from this fool. Stay away. <laughs> he will hit you. <laughs> Shit. Oh, God, who you got, Crystal? Surprisingly, my character of the week, I think I had um Kim. Because he was helping out with gear charity. <laughs> I've been liking Kian this week on Emerdale, so yeah. Wasn't this the time period when Dan was like, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, pull out your cupcake, what did you wish for? And he goes, I wish you do one. I think my favorite part was when he walked in with Aaron and, uh, oh God, it wasn't with the cane faces on. Oh, he walked into his own surprise party and Aaron and I think, oh God, I don't remember who it was, but they were sitting there talking in cane accents back and forth to each other with cane masks on. I got a kick out of that. In honor of Kane Buddy, he's getting my character of the week. <laughs> Love it. Happy 40th, Kane. <laughs> Happy 40th. Well, for me, this brother right here had to pick the queen diva who never should have left Hollyoaks. And I'm so glad that she is back. Myra, goddamn McQueen, baby. Fuck Steve Hey and his hypocritical ass having the nerve to try to clown Myra's parenting when his own children got took away from his druggy ass. Myra tells nothing but the truth about Steve Hay. She looked at John Paul in his face when she's up there grieving her dead daughter. And John Paul is coming around like, Hey, Mom, I know it'll make you feel better. You know the man that you hate. I'm going to marry him. And Myra stands like up. Hell. And she is like hell. Even John Paul didn't believe what he was saying there. Okay. Myra stood up and she was like, I will never 
accept you with that man. I said, yes, God, Marvin, you tell it, you preach it, because you ain't telling nothing but the truth about that fool. When she called that motherfucker, he's up there talking about it. Uh, what kind of parent are you? And she's like, you a dirty druggie. I was like, yes, Myra, you tell it. I wish Hollywood had made her go far enough. I don't even know if she knows that this dirty mofo jacked her son on the day of his rape trial for coke. I wish they had that she had that knowledge so she could have threw that in in his face. But even though the slapper lunch, Leah is so cute, <laughs> even though the slapper lunch sidetracked her a little bit, I love the fact that just like Adrian on Days of Our Lives, Myra is all about making sure that her child is taken care of and with a man that is worthy of him. Too many times on soap operas, we see things like old girl on EastEnders who realizes that her husband is a cheating ass motherfucker with another woman, but she just go up and leave her daughter with this dirty motherfucker and just leave. Okay, you see parents just like leaving their children alone or to fend for themselves or not caring what happens to them in this warped way. But Myra is all about making sure her child is taken care of. Because hell, she broke it down. She already lost one child because of Sonny. She already dealt with uh, Mercedes' ass being with that crazy-ass Paul. And now here comes Steve's ass, when his last husband is dead, trying to be with her son now. I mean, it's, it's a fucked-up situation. So I just love Myra spitting nothing but the truth to Steve and John Paul for these weeks. She had me saying, yes, every single time she was on screen, even at that damn lunch where she was being all cute up there with uh, Leah and Steve's trifling ass using her key, his kids to win her around. But anyway, so Queen Diva Myra, who keeps preaching the truth, and I hope keeps preaching it going forward, the fucking best. I love Miss Myra. All right. And let's get up out of here. Ladies, tell the folks where to find you online. You can find me at Lindsay Amanda, L-Y-N-D-S-I, Amanda, at both Tumblr and Twitter. And you can find me at Miglia, M-I-L-E-A-L-2, on Twitter and Busybody Blog on Tumblr. Already, y'all know I'm at Brother Soap on the Twitters. And if y'all watch the American and British soaps, check out Soap Smack Talk on Divas AJ and Mathra. I think they're up to episode 156, so y'all check that out. Um, and they are on the iTunes Store, and you can find them by searching Soap to the Smack to the Talk. And just Soap Smack Talk, y'all. Don't do Soap to the Smack Talk. Okay. <laughs> it's cool. Fortify does online uh, on the uh, iTunes. Just search British Soap Podcast and we are there. Or you can click on the subscribe link at UK Soap Podcast on the Twitterations. Or you can find us on the Tumblr at BritishSoapPodcast.tumblr.com where people have been following a brother all weeks for the last couple of weeks. Thank y'all. Love y'all. I can't follow y'all back because I got a different blog, but love y'all. Appreciate y'all new followers. Holler at me. Ask me something. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, y'all. So I think that's it. We got more things to record, so I'm going to say, I ain't want no more tea. Bye. <laughs> Bye.